I just wanted to make lots of money when I got out of college and started working for Maryland. That's all I wanted to do. I worked my tail off. We get caught up in this world, and just depending on how you live and what, what's important to you, you need to focus on your goals. That's why working with a planner can help you actualize and materialize, put those in front of you instead of saying, let me live paycheck to paycheck. Oh, I need this, or I'm going to buy this. I want to keep up with these people. Okay, welcome back for another episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast. My name is Dallas Post, and I am your host for the show. My goal with the Post Money Plan is to liberate you from financial oppression and empower you to build selfless wealth. On the podcast, I explore all things personal finance, economics, and investing related. If you want to know more, you can find me at postmoneyplan.com or search the Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. If you want to learn to save money without feeling like you're giving up your lifestyle and would benefit from a much more hands-on approach, you should sign up for my one-on-one financial coaching program at savepainfree.com. All right, on with the show. Well, so I just wanted to start off by saying that in this episode, we're going to talk about financial planning, and I wanted to reach out to a financial planner to get a better overview of the financial planning process and what it's like to go through financial planning with a financial advisor. So I reached out to my friend Grant Goodwin, who I've known for many years. We haven't been in close contact recently, but I just wanted to bring him onto the show to share as a certified financial planner. So welcome to the show, Grant. Hey, thanks for having me today, Dallas. I'm kind of excited to do this. So uh, go ahead with any questions you have, and I'll do the best I can to answer them. So Grant's been a financial advisor for, what, 11 years now? Somewhere. I've had different roles within the financial industry. I started originally in 2000, took about a year and a half off after I got burned out, and then got back into it. So, you know, I'd say closer to 15 years now. Okay, even more. (laughs) Yes. There you go. And you are a certified financial planner with? So I was with uh, Merrill Lynch, and then a couple years ago, I chose the independent route. I went through LPL. That's the easiest way to understand it. LPL is a giant independent financial advisor company created for advisors from a lot of brokerage houses they left. And there's about 14,000, 15,000 of us nationwide, and we are under a variety of different names. We can market ourselves and brand ourselves as we want. And I actually joined a big team based here in Charlotte that has over 100 advisors in about 10 different states, and it continues to grow. So that's what I've been doing that for about two years now. It's more of an independent where there's nothing for me to focus on to sell or hurdles to hit or anything like that. So uh, the independent yeah, round has been good. I ask you that, just like the difference between being an independent advisor versus working under Merrill. Well, so, you know, Merrill Lynch was a great company. Wachovia was a really good company, too. But basically, with Merrill Lynch, being owned by Bank of America especially, there were different cross-referrals you had to have to different parts of the bank. There were different hurdles you have to hit as far as sales. And there are different – you can only work with a certain profile of clients. And I really just enjoy working with people who have questions or who won't help. And, uh, you know, Merrill had a fee structure as well that I didn't always agree with where now I can choose with who I want to work with, I can price it equitably, and I can I don't have hurdles to hit. 
you know, I don't have things I need to sell or products I need to focus on or anything or cross referrals to do any of that stuff. So it's, it's really neat. It's, it's a good opportunity for people who are, who have been at the bigger places, but who kind of just want to change and something a little more relaxed as far as hitting sales hurdles and not acquiring a certain amount of new clients every year to hit your goals and to get paid. So those are some of the big differences. So do you think you're able to have a little bit less conflict of interest with your clients being independent? Oh, absolutely. I have a lot more choices, but also I don't have to charge them a certain amount of money, a certain percentage. Merrill and some of the other companies wanted us to start charging a certain percentage of management, and it just... Can we just clarify there? So you're saying every year advisors are charging a, a certain percent of a client's assets under management? So Correct. So so Merrill has, and some other companies have prices you have to charge. If you do assets under management, if, they, if you charge a percentage, it has to be a certain percentage based on what the client has with you and the company. And I didn't always find it the most competitive or compelling. And a fee-based account isn't really right for everybody. There's some people that just like to buy things and hold them for long purposes and long periods of time and for or for certain purposes. And that's fine, too. I don't think it should be charged a percentage of, of their holdings if they're just mostly – they're not going to be buying and selling a whole lot of things. And they just want to buy and hold or just want advice every now and then. I just don't think that a certain percentage fee is necessarily the right thing for everybody. No, it is right for some that you know have ongoing questions. We're updating their 401K. We're updating their financial plan. You know, they have offbeat questions. I tell clients any, anything that has a, a dollar sign to call me about. If I don't have the answers or if I'm not an expert, I'll find someone who does, and I don't get paid for it. I just try and do the best thing for clients in general, getting them the answers they seek from someone they trust. And I think that's what people want, and they don't want to have to be second-guessing the experts who are their advisors that they're paying for. They want to actually be able to trust them, <laughs> so that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I've worked at a few companies now, and there's fantastic people everywhere, and there are complete clowns everywhere. In working with a financial planner, uh, you need to make sure that you're in their best interest, not themselves or their bottom line. I, when I was originally with uh, Merrill. I was part of a team, and the guy was more worried about his bottom line than anything else and, and told me unless I was focused on money, and that was the sole reason I'd do what I do for my bottom line, then I'm in the wrong industry. And I was just like, I'm not going to sell my soul for money. I'm not going to sell my soul to hit hurdles. I am just Absolutely. going to I'm just going to do the best I can for clients and where I'm at now I think it you know allows me to do that without charging ridiculous amounts or even sometimes even charging. So I I just like helping people and helping show them what to do a little bit better. This is a little bit off topic, but yesterday I was watching a video about oil change scams with mechanic shops and how uh-huh. they would be the managers of those places sometimes had that mentality of doesn't matter, just upsell the clients, tell them that they need the transmission fluid flush and this and this and all these things that they didn't really need and then they didn't actually even do the services kind of thing. That is not what you want to have to be worrying about as a client. <laughs> no, it's not. And in this industry, unfortunately, a lot of the products that are least appropriate for clients are sometimes the things that pay professionals like me the most, which is unfortunate because it gives you a conflict of interest, especially oh, for those rate and hurdles. On that topic, are there specific things that 
young adults might be looking to that are generally like every person's situation is different, but are there things that are generally tend to be more appropriate and other things that are, are less appropriate that are just high fees type of things? Yeah. I mean, for instance, younger individuals, they don't need annuities. And I've seen people trying to sell those to all ages people. And an annuity is basically mutual funds wrapped in insurance. And it's appropriate for a few, but not for many. Another thing that one of my friends who's a client now kept trying to get sold was someone kept trying to sell them was a whole life insurance policy. Yeah. I mean, insurance is insurance. It's not an investment. That's my view. That's how I was taught. Now, there's extenuating circumstances, but for, for millennials, especially life insurance, unless they have too much money that they don't know what to do with, stay away from whole life policies. Stay away from policies that are anything other than mostly, I would just say, term life, honestly. Yeah. And I think there's also a dynamic to that, just while we're on the topic of life insurance, that since the model of families and how people are living their lives nowadays, more women are in the workplace and people are getting started on families later. So if I think back to the way the traditional family used to be, like people got married super young and it was only the man who was earning an income and the woman probably not. She's staying at home with the kids. So then if the man was to become disabled or to pass away, then it was more valuable and there's more need for a life insurance payout. Whereas nowadays, if people are getting married later, not having as many kids, and the woman is also working, then to me, that is saying that there's less immediate need for at least younger people in that life insurance. So I would I would not argue that at all. I think life insurance becomes more appropriate as families develop. Like when I was single, I didn't have life insurance. I probably should have had a, a small policy just for the simple fact that in case something happened to me, my parents wouldn't have to come out of pocket to pay for something. But I have three kids now, and my wife works and I work. So, you know, the first thing we try and do is max out our insurance through our employer because that's often going to be the cheapest way to do it. Because it's a group policy if you're working with a bigger company. But term policies are so dirt cheap. If you want to get one, you know, just in case something were to happen to you for your family. But most 25, 30-year-olds aren't thinking like that. But as you get progress in life, you get married or just have children, insurance is definitely something that everyone should look at. No one likes to face it or think they're going to die anytime soon. But unfortunately, I've had two friends in the past five years that were 40 or younger. That one had a kid on the way, and then other had three kids, and they both died from heart defects. So, without any prior knowledge uh, of any such issue. So, as you progress in the family life, that's when it becomes more appropriate, I think. I just don't think it's a need for a single person. If it's offered through work, get it. If you want a small policy to help whoever's going to take care of you, something to happen, great. But don't spend resources on insurance. I mean, a lot of these bigger companies you work for, you can get an insurance policy that covers one or two times your salary for a couple bucks a month. So that would be the first step I'd do for most, for every client. Even my clients now, I tell them, look at insurance through work. That's your first place to go. And then whatever need you have on top of that, we can look at through term policies to fulfill needs you have. But I don't actively solicit insurance. But that's what pays people a lot, like whole life policies, universals, variables and things like that so as well as annuities which are mutual funds wrapped in insurance policy but yeah i mean that's my those are my views on insurance so let's just take it back to the basics what would you say are the main benefits of financial planning for a young adult 
Well, I think the first thing it helps them do is look at what they're spending. You know, a lot of people don't realize how much they spend on small things, going out to eat, picking up a drink here or there, going out to have a drink with their friends. And the first thing I think it, it, it helps them do is realize their lifestyle and what they're living on and what they need and what they don't need and, and, and if they're even saving anything. A lot of people now, and I was no different when I was younger, lived on credit cards. They're like, yeah, I don't need to worry about it. And people get sucked up into this cash and this points thing. On their credit cards, I got a buddy who's, who had to take out a separate loan to pay it off his credit cards because he got so soaked up in it, and he's in insurance. But I think the first thing it helps you do is look at look at how you're living and what you're doing, first of all. And putting a budget together, I think, is one of the, the first things you should do when you do financial planning, even if that's all you do. I think that's a great start. And then when you go from there, you can put goals together because everything in life is dependent upon goals. We just float around. We're never going to achieve anything. And I think once you have a budget in place and start working with a financial planner or whoever you do it with, it helps you establish goals as well. You know, a lot of people will say at age 30, you should have one time your salary saved for retirement. At 35, it's two times. And, you know, a lot of people, they're not saving at all, at all. I mean, that's why catch-up provisions were created in retirement accounts because they found everybody in this country, when they established them, they, they just weren't saving. You know, there's some younger millennials, a lot of them don't even have $1,000 saved. You can't stress enough, and they think, oh, I'll just put it on the credit card. Well, okay, that's great, but then what happens if you can't pay off that credit card, and then something else comes up? So I think the first thing financial planning does is help you look at what you're doing. The second thing it'll help you do is establish goals. Some of us like our work. Some of us don't want to work, but it'll help us quantify Okay, I'm 25. I think I want to work for 35 years or till 60 when I can access my retirement accounts without any problem. What do I need to do to get there? So I think those are the initial benefits. And then, you know, like I said, goals, saving for a car, saving for a house, because we all want different things and have different needs. It may be I need this a year to buy a house or to move into a new apartment or to get this car. There's so many different benefits for financial planning, but the first two I would say is looking at your expenses and putting that budget together and then also setting goals from there. And then you can monitor them, and that's what a financial planner does. We'll help you monitor your goals to see how you're doing, make sure you're on track, and when things change, you know, financial planners will change with you, and the plan will too, which is good because every day something new is going to happen. Maybe we'll get married or maybe we'll have a kid or maybe we'll take a new job or want a house or get a new car. But, you know, we're all in a changing environment. And I think that if you're not planning, you're going to suffer the consequences because everything you want to accomplish in life, you need to have a plan in place. So That's definitely true. Planning ahead of time makes sure that you don't wake up with a day of reckoning anytime some unexpected event happens. You essentially end up planning for the unplanned. And I think having savings and emergency savings does that. Yeah, I mean, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just speaking to your earlier point about so many Americans not having savings, that's a big reason of why I'm doing what I'm doing and wanting to put financial education out there because there's such a lack of that financial education in our school curriculum in combination with more and more aggressive marketing in our consumerism, then we're being unwittingly lured into overspending, and then people are waking up after the fact in difficult financial situations, which 
didn't have to be the case if they were informed and educated a little better and then had a little bit of self-discipline along the way and, and planned it out, and then things would be not so difficult. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it firsthand, people waking up and not having anything. I mean, you've got to, as hard as it is, set goals early on. You've got to set goals and try to achieve them. If it's a house, if it's a car, maybe someone wants to go on an awesome trip somewhere. But the last thing you want to do is wake up and say, what have I done with my life? I mean, study after study shows that if someone saves in their retirement account the first 10 years of their lives and never again, and then someone the same age skips the first 10 years of their lives and puts in for the rest of their lives, they're still behind. You know, it's just the power of getting started early and the power of compounding. What Einstein called that, the eighth wonder of the world, I think. But we can't underestimate even putting a fraction of anything away will add up over time. You just got have to look at it as a long-term investment. You can't look at it day-to-day, month-to-month even, or even year-to-year because we'll have good years and we'll have bad years and good days and bad months. But over time, you need to know you're doing the right thing and not look at it repeatedly and let it affect you. So that's my thought on that, and I'll drill down more on that if you want. Well, let's say there's someone who's 25 years old or 30 years old or 35 years old, and it comes to their attention. They're like, okay, like, I don't know if I can handle all this myself, and I, like, I want someone to help me. And so let's say they came to you, and they said, I want help with my long-term financial planning. Where would you start, and, and where would you go over time with them? Okay, well, that's a good point. We'd look at where they are right now. If they've saved anything and what their current spending habits are, kind of like a budget. And then we'd look at what their month-to-month expenses are, where their money's going. And then we'd look at, okay, what do you want to accomplish? Why are you here? Something sparked you to say, okay, let's let's get this going. Maybe they saw their parents or a friend or, or something. But it's really looking at where you are right now, looking at what you've done and where you want to end up and, and how do we get you there more than anything, I think. It should feel, and it's tough, it's tough when you meet with somebody, and you should talk to a few different people and find someone you feel comfortable with that seems to be interested in you, but you got to know that you can't be afraid to share information. It's tough at times, and don't be embarrassed because there's a lot of people out there who are 10 times worse than you in their spending habits and what they have and what they don't have. So, I mean, that's the first point is let's look at what you're doing. Let's look at what you've done. I mean, I've got someone right now I'm working with. She is... 40, she has like $16,000 saved. She's got a a son, and she just got a new job where she's making a lot more money. And so the first thing we're doing is looking at her budget. And then we're going to say, and then we're also going to look at what do you want? What's your goal? You don't want to work forever? Do you want to put your kid through school, through college or whatever? And then what's available to you? You know, people come, that they're going to have jobs or Maybe they're self-employed. If they're self-employed, there's still options as well to save for retirement. But the first meeting is just when I would talk to somebody, tell me about your current situation, what's going on. Tell me about some of the the good decisions you've made financially in life or some of the dumber ones that you wish you could change. You know, I mean, because when you reflect back, you think, oh, yeah, that was stupid or no, that was a great decision. I should do more things like that. And it just gets people thinking about, okay, I eat out a lot. It just, it just kind of draws attention to things. And we're not here to judge. We're here to help you get where you want to go and fix it. People who are certified financial planners are here to help people they work with hit their goals, and that's it. Everyone takes a different approach to it. But I think the first thing would be to look at what you're doing, 
what resources are available to you, what have you done in the past, and how are your spending habits right now, and then where do you want to end up? And I think that's the, really the, the right place to start and just you know interview a couple people and go from there. Most people will talk to you without you having to put out any money or anything. You just have to be willing to share the, some information and answer questions. I think that's the biggest hurdle, and I, I've seen that from my side of the table, even at my level, is that there seems to be a lot of shame a lot of times in people's finances that they feel embarrassed to share with someone else, even if you would be helping them, that they think, like, oh, it's, I'd just rather no one knew about this. Even if I don't know how to deal with it, like I'd rather just no one knew about it. Absolutely. I totally understand. I was I was at that point, too. Before I did this, even when I took time off from doing this, I got burned out and didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm looking at my life and I'm like, I'm really not doing the things I need to do. But we're here to help people and not to judge. And if someone like me may be really good at something and and someone, a younger person, could come in and have an expertise in, in something else. We all have our specialties. My wife's a clinical pharmacist. I don't know what she's talking about most of the time. And it took her 10 years of being married to figure out what a mutual fund is. <laughs> so, I mean, it, we're all at different positions. But I can tell you what, we've all seen worse. So no, there's no reason to be embarrassed or to feel that way because I think at one time in our lives, unless you're born with more money you know what to do with, we've all been in that situation. And we don't know where to start. And that's where work with somebody and talking to them is, I think, a great place to start more than anything. But they should, we are not here to judge. We're here to help you hit your goals. And that's how we're judged is can we help you hit your goals? So if someone was to attempt to gauge what their financial health was and their starting point, what would they look at? Honestly, I think the first thing would be to look at their budget and to look at what their their current situation. Do you have any savings? Are you living paycheck to paycheck? And if you aren't, how do we fix that? What's important to you? What goals do you have? Let's take an assessment of where we are snapshot right now. What's available to you? What have you done? How are you spending your money? And then I think that's a great place to start. And then from there, we can say, okay, what are your goals? What do you want to hit? What do you want to do? Or if you ask me, well, we need to have this amount saved. And that's why I work with a planner and put together a financial plan. They could show you what you need to save on an annual basis to hit your goals down the road. And it could be a multitude of goals. And that's what someone like myself should do for everyone. Something I think about a lot is not necessarily the absolute numbers of what your budget or your spending is, but your spending relative to your income. So maybe someone is, quote unquote, only spending 40000 a year, but if their income is 30000 a year, that's still a big problem. Versus if someone's income is 70000 a year and they're spending 40000 they're doing good. Yeah, and I think that the consumerism of today has really affected a lot of people having a nice car, living in a nice part of town, having nice clothes, nice shoes, going out to eat at nice restaurants. And I think credit cards and the whole point system has really exacerbated that. As I mentioned, I have a buddy who's gotten himself in a heap of debt by, oh, but it's on credit card. I keep telling him to use the debit card. Oh, but if I get points on the credit card, I'm like, it doesn't matter how many points you get if you keep digging yourself in a hole. It doesn't matter what your benefits are <laughs> if you're paying more interest than what you're getting. We're all geared towards consumerism, and we all, when we get out of college, we want to live the way that we lived growing up. But, I mean, that's not what our parents did, and that's not what a lot of people do. We all hope we're going to have the next great startup. It could be app. It could be anything. It could be just an invention. The odds of that are very slim. But don't be afraid when, you, when you're when you starting out to 
figure out how you can focus on resources. Like, as much as you might not want to, when you're getting started with a job, especially if it doesn't pay as much as you'd like it to, if it's near your family, don't hesitate to, to live with your parents. And you can pay them rent, or hopefully they won't charge you rent. Don't be afraid to find ways to to cut costs and to make it easier for you. That doesn't mean go spend it, but it means get it say, get a savings going so that – and a lot of parents are pretty willing these days, it seems like, to let their kids, after they go to college, to help them out, at least by living with them. Don't think you need to live to impress others because it doesn't matter. It's you know, a, down a the, big problem for us younger people that really feel this pressure of – Oh, well, if I see everyone else next to me with an iPhone and a $60,000 car, that's probably what I'm supposed to do, right? Yeah, I mean, I was the same way. I just wanted to make lots of money when I got out of college and started working for Maryland. That's all I wanted to do. I worked my tail off. We get caught up in this world, and just depending on how you live and what's important to you, you need to focus on your goals. That's why working with a planner can help you actualize and materialize, put those in front of you. Instead of saying, let me live paycheck to paycheck, oh, I need this, or I'm going to buy this, I want to keep up with these people. At the end of the day, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, I have all this nice stuff, but I got a lot of debt. I mean, it really doesn't do you a whole lot of good. And then you're going to, you know, something could happen. And then, you know, down the road, if you get married and you disclose which, the debt you have, some people don't want anything to do with you. I mean, and, and that's another thing is... I've focus heard on of you. That actually, too. Yeah. So, like, if people are dating and then they're getting serious and then they find out, oh, well, you, you're sitting on all this debt that you're you're not dealing with, that's a big concern for me. And like, I don't know if I want to sign on for that. Absolutely. I mean, that's another topic we can talk about down the road is as people start getting married and and, and things change. But you've got to focus on your goals, not the world's goals. I mean, that's from my standpoint. I I was no different. But as I got older and more mature, I'm like, I don't live for this world. I don't need to impress other people. Every time you think about impressing other people or going out and hanging out when you're like, yeah, I don't know if I have the money, you know, look at that bank account. You know, for a while when we were struggling, which I was, you know, for some time with kids and daycare and all that, I would write on my daily agenda. I'd write broke on it just to remind myself <laughs> that I don't need to spend the money. I need to work harder. And then I can spend the money once I get my finances in order. So that's kind of where we're at, where I'm at now. We're just super fortunate, super blessed to be where we're at. But I'm 42 now, and it took a few years. And, and don't try and keep up with your friends because there are a lot of people who will who will show one thing, but in actuality, it will be another. I mean, my uh, mother-in-law was a teacher, and this lady she worked with was uh, a teacher with her, and her husband worked was an executive for Bank of America. My mother-in-law thought they were so well off. And they had more money than they know what to do with. And then it comes to find out they started having marriage problems and they got divorced. And she tells my mother-in-law, oh, we have $90,000 in debt. They bought a brand new car for their daughter when she turned 16 or 17. They were taking out credit cards they shouldn't have been taking out. So, I mean, people will present one thing and actually it'll be another. And there's no one who doesn't have problems in life one way or another, financially or, or some other way. But you know, finding happiness and money. I mean, it may be for a while, but it's like they say, you know, especially Biggie Smalls, more money, more problems. I mean, it, it's just don't live for this world. Worry about yourself. And that's, I can't stress that enough. Don't keep up with the Joneses. I know it's gotten me in trouble in the past. It's gotten a lot of friends in, in the past in trouble. And there's a lot of people in this industry who try to keep up with other advisors and other planners and want the newest car or the biggest house or the best neighborhood. 
do what you're comfortable with doing. Set goals, set plans, and, and don't deviate from them. Don't let others influence you. I mean, that's a sign of strength, too, by sticking to what you know is right and doing the right thing. I think that's such an important point in not living for this world and getting caught up with everything around you and the materialism because it really doesn't fulfill it. Not only is it more money, more problems, but if you look to all the celebrities who end up committing suicide, there does seem to be a dynamic where people find out that they get everything they thought they wanted and they realize it doesn't fulfill. There's more to life than just getting... Absolutely. I mean, in the recent suicides of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, these people had the experiences, travel, and you would have thought the money, and, I, and Kate Spade had a lot of money, but it doesn't buy happiness. Here's an example. You see athlete after athlete who... They come into this money, and then they spend it, and they're like, oh, yeah, check's coming in two weeks. Yeah, boy. And then all of a sudden, they don't have anything. Their career's over. You see story after story of broke athlete because they try to keep up with their teammates. They try to do things to outspend one another. They want the best car. They want a big house. They want to go out and party. They want jewelry. I mean, Julio Jones this summer lost a $100,000 earring, Jeskian, and I hope it was insured, but it probably wasn't. And that just tells you, too, the naivety of a lot of people, especially millennials and even athletes. You've got to have good guidance and a good good foundation, and I think that's where it starts. There's a lot of different resources out there that can help you, and we can talk about those later. But focus on what's true to you and what's important to you. Don't worry about going out and buying shots and impressing people. Worry about the goals you have in front of you and not running out of money and not borrowing money. I mean, when you can wipe out credit card debt and you have no debt, it makes life a lot easier and it makes it a lot less stressful. I've cried before because I didn't have any money to pay my rent because I wasn't living practice when I was preaching and, you know, just trying to eat. But my rent was 600 bucks a month 20 years ago and I had a newish car and a solid cell phone, but it didn't matter. I knew when I looked at myself in the mirror, I didn't have diddly squat. So I think that's the thing that, that people need to, especially young people, the sooner you can start putting goals on paper and looking at your spending habits, the better. Most jobs now offer retirement savings. Do at least what they're going to match into it and then increase it every six months by percent until you can't afford it anymore until you're maxed out. You're just giving away free money. And I was no different. When I worked at a different company for Wachovia, I, could, I didn't think I could afford the 401k, and they were just matching 5%. The guy I worked for was like, you're an idiot. You know they're just giving you money. And that's true. We think we can't live without it. Well, we can. And start thinking about things ahead of time. You know, there's athletes. There's, there's people you think are geniuses that maybe they are on paper and at work, but, you know, their finances, they're a complete dumpster fire. Well, I'd like to go more into budgeting and investing in the future. Maybe we could do that in another episode. Sure. But, uh, just to finish this up, where could people find you if they wanted to reach out to you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. It's Grant Goodwin. I'm in the Charlotte area. And if you want to work with a certified financial planner, you go to letsmakeaplan.com is what it is for a certified financial planner. And then another place they can find me where I'm part of my team is blackbridgefinancial.com. So it's all one word, blackbridgefinancial.com. And you'll see my profile on there as well. You know, anyone has a question, I'm happy to answer. It's not about my bottom line because if I've given you good service now and answering questions, then maybe you'll come down back to me later or you refer someone to me. So blackbridgefinancial.com. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Grant Goodwin in Charlotte. So don't hesitate to reach out to me for anything.
I might not get back to you right away, but I'll try to get, answer all my emails within a day. So feel free to reach out in any way possible or for any question, financial or otherwise. Cool. Thanks so much for sharing. And I'd definitely like to do another one talking about more budgeting and investing. Sure. I'd love to. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps things up. Catch us next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan podcast. 